What is up, guys? This is Pinzo back with another episode of the Nerd Hub podcast. Today, I am, of course, joined by my co-host, Exelon. Great to be here. It feels pretty good. This is, what, three weeks in a row? Maybe four? Something like that. Something like that. We've got an actual schedule going, so... We do, we do. Um, Every Sunday, it seems like we're being able to get one of these episodes out, so uh, I really like it. I'm quite... I do too. Uh, this I'm quite is one happy thing I look with getting a schedule. To. Yeah, this is one thing I look forward to a lot in my week, and so just being able to sit down and talk about fantasy stuff with with one of my best friends. So, right on. Let's get. Let's jump into it. I'm what here. do we got on the docket for today? Uh, we got some good stuff in here today. Um, yeah, I think I don't really want to spoil anything, to be honest. Ooh, okay. Let's keep it a surprise. Speaking of surprises, some of the best fantasy series of all times have great twists, turns, and surprises. And right now we're kicking off the best fantasy series. What is your favorite, like, fantasy book series of all time? Uh, yeah, so a lot of the times we lead off our episodes talking about movies. But um, today we kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit. We wanted to go with a more of a book segment. So uh fantasy series i for me listen i like i was a harry potter kid growing up for sure but um about the time i hit middle school maybe fifth grade is where percy jackson came out and i really like those books like if i had to pick a top number one it would be i think it would be percy jackson interesting that's definitely in my top three one of my like in my wheelhouse i really i love the i'm gonna say like the second half of the series the um the the heroes of olympus yeah the heroes of olympus series i love that book a lot with are are we allowed to say spoilers like just throughout books this entire... have been out like I, again at least through heroes of olympus those books have been out for at like a decade eight, eight years almost a decade you know so yeah i yeah. think i think spoilers are fine here Okay, but like in, I believe it's the House of Hades when Annabeth and Percy are in Tartarus. I, I craved listen, like listening or reading those chapters. I listen to a lot of the books just because I don't have a lot of time to sit down. Very and understandable, read stuff. yeah, yeah. But like going and listening to those books or reading to those books, those are some of my favorite chapters ever. I love those life and death type things I, th- I thought the characters were really well built i love how well the uh rick riord and the author uh develops or like kind of changes his writing style as his audience matures the yes. first i would say three books of like the lightning thief um the uh sea of monsters and see, see, uh, yeah i think those three are harder for me to read now i reread them with in the last two years and they were hard to get through because like they're a little bit childish they're a little bit childish but like and i i remember being really disappointed like after reading all like those three books like does this series suck like like, this isn't as good as i remember it being yeah and then i then i finished out the series and i was like okay never mind never mind it was like it, it it is good it is still good it, it it was definitely like thirteen year old me would have thought this shit was absolutely goaded and it was, but um personally I am such a big fan of Lord of the Rings I think it is the one like there's no world that is more well built 
than Middle Earth. Agree. I I think at all. Um, I love how in depth it is. I love how like just the arc of like the unassuming uh, Hobbit is the hero. Like of even the smallest person can make the biggest of differences. I love that that type of uh, that story arc. It's it's just so good. It's yeah, such a great piece of Yeah, I mean, like, of Lord fantasy. of the Rings is almost its own, like, category at this point, you know? Yeah, it's... not Nothing rivals it. Not, like, Tolkien, he kind of wrote the perfect series. He talks a lot about walking, and that's a, my only criticism of the book, is that it took me a while to read all the they're way very, through the They're book. almost difficult to read. Yeah. Yeah, they're just very wordy. Everything takes so long to happen. But, like, at the same time, that's part of why it is so good, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's every single scene, like, every single battle is kind of like it's it takes its time. You you kind of get the feeling and the weight of it a little bit. That's one thing that yeah. I will say. Like, Harry Potter does kind of a poor job i think um uh of like explaining battles a little bit because it's like oh so and so shot a curse well and it's, it missed it's and then the I shot a curse and it missed it's the difference between it. uh like kind of this low this low magic fantasy that tolkien's written and this incredibly high magic fantasy where literally anything can happen you know that that's just a lot harder to put into like terms that uh are readable and understandable you know mm-hmm. i yeah i i would i would agree with that that but also don't get me wrong harry potter is still within the top within my top 3 I would say I I love those yeah. books. I, they're they're comforting. They're I, they're nice. I would almost go to the point where like Lord of the Rings is again almost its own category because like Harry Potter was sort of the beginning of this YA fiction genre that like Riordan copied right like that whole thing. It, it's sort of mm-hmm. this young adult fiction, and uh, Harry Potter sort of started that. Like Lord of the Rings isn't really I wouldn't really call it young adult fiction. No, you know? it's it's mature. It took me a little bit to like. You ever have those books where you like you're at least this. I'm gonna be a little. I'm gonna embarrass myself a little bit, but like I'll have books that I'll read that are definitely like adult ass books, and I have to like slow down reading them a little bit because I'm like I need to understand what they're saying. I can't fly through sentence by sentence. On, no, like, I think that's understandable. Going on. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's not like I'm sounding out words here. It's just that I'm like, people write complex sentences. Like there, there are books out there that are that I've read. I like to read sometimes, and yeah. sometimes they're, they're long books. Or yeah, I, the author. I think Tolkien has. You know, uh, Tolkien obviously nailed those books. I think those books are fantastic oh, for sure. But it's just like it's it's almost just a cut above. Like it, it really is just a different. I mean, it's obviously kind of a different genre, but it it really is just. Mm-hmm. I I mean almost uncomparable to like it post is, like to post Harry Potter fantasy. Yeah, it is NFL versus college football. It is like you are playing. It like, is like yeah, it's the big leagues. Once you're yeah, in it's Tolkien, the big yeah, because 
have you ever heard Tolkien, like, and here's something really interesting about, like, just authors in general. I have a few, like, friends slash people I've met through um, my career who have been authors or are professional writers. And one of the things that they say most often is they're not writing they're writing to a deadline. They have to finish a book to a deadline. And yeah. so they know that putting out a book isn't their best work. If you've ever heard Tolkien like talk about how long it took him to write Lord of the Rings, George R. R. Martin does the same thing. Of he's like he's like, it'll take me three weeks to write a chapter. To a, a chapter. And one chapter. Yeah, like one chapter. Put like multiply that. Like, how many chapters does the first Lord of the Rings have? Like thirty. Who knows, dude? But yeah, put that together. It took you three years to write this book, and a lot of authors in that space don't have a lot of time because, like, their publishing house, like Random House or whoever is publishing their book like has to get something out yeah, because they like, know, especially I need it, when, I need like once now. you've made it big yeah like once you've made it big like in Harry Potter for example like you have to put, like write your book hand it to your editor hand it hand it to your uh I found out uh, there's a canonologist in a lot of really <laughs> big books that are experts on the field that will like make sure that everything is canon in a book or can, can happen. Like whenever there's any sort of development, there's not any like okay. conflict. Within. Very interesting, um, but yeah, but you have to like hand it to your like to that person and then get like then, a lot of there's a lot of stops but, to pass on your way yeah, to the, this big deadline that you've got to hit. Yeah, and so they put that deadline in place so ever so it can eventually get onto shelves. Like oftentimes books will be written for a year already, but you're sorting out all the other kinks that you're handing it to the editors. Print, you're printing. Yeah, you're doing print runs. You're doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Tolkien didn't really, I guess, care a whole lot about it. Like, like, or didn't really have that pressure at the time to make a book that is, like, he put his heart and soul into that. And... No, he really did, and you can tell. I mean, it is, oh, yeah. it's written differently, and part of that has to be that he, you know, I mean, that was on his time. He got to make that book when he wanted to. Oh, yeah, and it, it, it shows, because, it, it, like, Fellowship of the Ring, well... Every single series in that book, I or book in that series, is just fantastic. It's a little hard to read at it times. Is, it sometimes, is. But if you're like, if there are people who are literally like their job is to be a Tolkien ep- expert, like that's a real thing. You've done a pretty damn good job of making your book. Agreed. Like there, there's a few people out there who are like Potterologists who will like critique media or will like go through um any anything that's going to be released and make sure that it fits canon or like it it fits the canon of the book which i think is hilarious that that is somebody's actual job to know something that well 
Well, and like you have these really good written series, right? Like Lord of the Rings. But like, have you read all of the Aragorn series? Um, I have. Or sorry, Aragon. Not yeah, yeah, Aragon. Um, I have not. I have heard that the book kind of falls off a cliff, like halfway through the second one. Uh, I I would have given it till like three quarters of the way through the third one, but okay. so like okay. so those were really big here because well I, they were, they got they kind of blew up for a little bit everywhere, but um that writer was like a fifteen year old from Kalispell, and now I live in Montana. Kalispell is a city in Montana. Um, there's like twelve people that live in Montana, so when one of them does something cool like that. It's it's something that like he even you know I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade when those books came out and uh they weren't bad but I think like especially I've reread the first one and I've reread the fourth one um it's very obvious that they were written by a 15 year old I think mm. they are uh I don't know like they they are just straight up copied from so many other series to be honest i mean it is it is this guy had a uh he had he had a diagram in front of him of harry <laughs> potter and just switched out words every now and then to to make this series about a guy who rides dragons and can use magic uh instead of a guy who goes to hogwarts and use ma and uses magic and then he he very obviously tries because the fourth book came out significantly after the third one. The first three came out within like three years of each other or something like that. And then the fourth one was like two or three years after the third one. And it was obvious that he had kind of tried to mature his story a little bit, but he was stuck in kind of a rock and a hard spot where he he kind of writ himself into a corner to where you can't really like mature those characters that much. And so the fourth mm -hmm. book turned into like it, it gets a lot of heat, the fourth book. It's the worst book in the series by far. Ooh, but um uh, it, it's kind of a shame. The ending is not that bad, but um the the first two thirds of the book are politics talk. And that's it. That's literally it. Uh Ooh. so it's kind of a bummer. And it's like this is like a seven hundred page book, by the way. It's a very, Ooh. very long book. And it's like two thirds of this, and then it ends with a uh, friendship punch, which is the only like that's my only issue. The ending is not that bad; like there's more to it than that, but it's essentially a friendship punch. Is is what is what ends this the series? Um, For those who are confused uh, or don't know what a friendship punch is, explain that really quick. Yeah, so so a friendship punch. This is kind of a trope. It, I think it got mostly popular in anime where. It's it's almost like uh, Care Bears or like My Little Pony, right? The the enemies, the bad guys can't really you can't really kill those the the bad guys on a on a My Little Pony show. So a lot of the time it ends with like the My Little Ponies all grouping up and showing the bad guy the power of friendship and the power of being loved, and that either changes their mind or they go away or whatever, right? In this case, in in Aragon, the bad guy dies, but it's it's from a friendship punch. Mm. So yeah. it's the the first like two books in that series, I would say are actually like pretty good. Like I still think they hold up today. I don't think they're like exceptional. Again, they are very very uh, following a path that Harry Potter made is essentially what it is. 
but uh the the books are very readable the third book is i think it starts to try a little too hard and then the fourth book tries way too hard mm. so Interesting. uh yeah I, I think they're okay but like that's sort of like that would be my number one example of sort of a uh, a book trying to hop on this young adult fiction or this young adult fantasy fiction uh train and kind of failing a little bit you know like they were still pretty oh, successful okay. books but uh realistically they weren't great interesting yeah i there are some other books or like authors that i kind of want to shout out in this segment uh brandon sanderson author of a bunch of different series but most yep. importantly like wheel of time um Brandon Sanderson is one of my favorite authors entirely because um, him and his he talks about his sex life subtly in his books and just shouts out his wife a few times because <laughs> within his books with and within the Wheel of Time first of all like the Wheel of Time um, is one of those series where like the first two and a half to three books it takes a little bit to get going but the fourth book is one of the best pieces of fantasy ever i'm like i read really? the first book and a, a while ago and was like i'm never touching this series again that's and where i was at like i've read the first order. book of that series i was in the same spot i'm like yeah that was okay but i'm kind of bored yeah no and then i had a co-worker like explain to me he's like no you need to like go back he's like he's like you will not regret suffering for however many hours it takes you to read like the other two books but then the fourth book holy shit and that seems to be a pretty common sentiment uh Brand interesting maybe i'll give him another go because uh, i've only read the first yeah. one yeah but brandon sanderson anytime there's a librarian or somebody who reads in his books uh it's an homage to his wife and there was a book that he writ he wrote for his wife, and this is one of my favorite things that's ever been published in a fantasy novel was like this librarian that like just out of nowhere the author breaks the fourth wall or the, like the they break the fourth wall. Um and he says it's like librarians are kinda known for having really extreme sex lives. Like, no, I'm serious. And it's so out of nowhere of like, wait, what? And then a very interesting forgot... sentence to put into uh, your fantasy novel. Yeah. And then it's like, then, it, then people like figure it out. It's like, oh, A, he wrote this book for his wife and it wasn't really supposed to be published, but it was good. Um, and his wife told him to publish it. And then he did. And then people figured out his wife was a librarian. And we're like, holy shit. Like, it unlocked, <laughs> like, this entire thing of, like, everything that he's ever written. There's been a librarian that's, like, been mentioned to be really attractive or something like that. Or have a nice ass. And you're like. Oh. It all makes sense now. It's like, it all makes sense now. Holy shit. Like, it's. And I absolutely love it. Um, Assassin's Apprentice is, a real, is also another really great fantasy novel would highly recommend that's another one that i felt like took a little bit i would say probably a third to half of the book um um like for me yeah. like my my one shout out would be the last apprentice novels uh i believe it's joseph delaney is the off author that's off the top of my head someone can correct me if they if they know better uh really good book series kind of the opposite to me like i think i think they start off really strong and then they get 
a little bit convoluted in like the last three books of the series because mm. and i'm not exactly sure why i'm trying to think exactly what led up to this but like the 11th book is the the 11th and the 12th book are someone else's perspective it's not the main oh. character anymore uh the main character's name is tom i think and uh the 11th book is from the per perspective of his friend alice and the 12th book is from the perspective of an assassin named Grimalkin. And it, so it, it gets a little convoluted. It all comes back to adding up to a very, very good finale, in my opinion. But it does have this sort of effect where th those two books feel a little bit disjointed. Um, mm -hmm. But the, like the first seven, eight books in that series are really good because he is the like the, the main plot is that this guy is the seventh son of a seventh son, which basically gives him like some kind of, of magical properties. Basically, he's harder to enchant. It mostly gives him magical defense against uh, witches and stuff like that. Um, so he but the whole time, like his mentor, you can tell is hiding something from him about why exactly he's he's this new apprentice and you kind of never know you figure it out at uh, the end of the series obviously but like you can tell from like the first book that there's more to it so you're kind of guessing mm -hmm. as to why and more stuff and more stuff comes and piles on but like that's a series in my opinion that starts really good and then it gets a little convoluted but still very good in my opinion yeah um w one thing i wanted to mention really quick about the wheel of time is the fact that um I think Brandon Sanderson kind of saved that series because for those who don't know, um, the original author of the series actually died while he was writing it and Brandon Sanderson took over. And I just think that's a cool thing that happened. That's uh, I'm not cool, yeah. sure where he took over. It might have been the third through the fourth book. Um, it was... The final three novels of Wheel of Time. It was the, it was the last three novels. Um, okay, that's pretty interesting. I, yeah, but I, he he's the Wheel of Time is largely considered. It's one of those series where you're like, you've got to buckle in because I know there's a lot of books in the series, but going on. But it's also a really great series. Um, also, another one, another singular book that you have to kind of buckle in is Priory of the Orange Tree. Um, this book is, I, it's over a thousand pages. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, All right. it's thick. Buckle um, up is right. I actually have it next to me right here. Uh, it has, oh, it has a glossary of characters at the end of, <laughs> of what's going on here. So, but it has, oh, sorry. It is 804 pages long. Oh, so you oversold it to me. Yeah, I did oversell it to you a little bit, but the glossary is also another, um, let's see, the glossary is also another 40 pages, so I'll Getting give you closer, that. closer, but... Yeah, okay, but we're at 850 pages, and this, I have, I have not read this book myself, I've heard very, very good things, but holy shit, this is, like, this book... That's a thick book. It's a, yeah, it is a, it's a phone book. It's well, yeah, like, book. what's that in comparison to, like, Order of the Phoenix? How long, like, um, do you know how long Order of the Phoenix is? Well, I know, well, Order of the Phoenix is, I would guess about 550. Yeah, 
Yeah, 550. In order to think, holy shit, that, that's that a book drones on. That's, yeah, that book goes on for a while. I actually have Order of the Phoenix somewhere around here, pretty close I, to I, me. All I my think. Harry Potter books are at my parents' house. Oh, man, mine's, mine's on my bookshelf elsewhere. But anyways, like, still great books. Okay, yeah, here we go. I, I had my... I had my Jamie grab my book for me. Shout out to Joe Rogan. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, so um, the version of the book that I have is 855 pages, but the book, the, the physical book is actually much smaller. Okay. Like the, 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 the types of pages are much smaller. I guarantee you that it'd be. Priority of the Orange Street would be 1,100 pages if it was the same size of book okay. as the version that I have. Yeah, the only, the, the, well, okay, I have a couple fantasy books with me in my apartment. The primary one that I have is one that I kind of just thought about to shout out, which is uh, 1,001 Arabian Nights. Which oh, is wow. like that's that's a, that's interesting. Okay, which is a very very old fantasy book. Well, allegedly mm-hmm. a very old fantasy book. Um, the copy that I have, again, bit of a smaller printing, ends right at a thousand pages. Um, oh, okay, but no, very. I've read. I will be honest. I have not read the whole thing, but you don't really have to read the whole thing. So if, 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 do you know what like like do you know what a Arabian Nights is like the setup for the story? Um, let's announce it for the audience. <laughs> I, I don't know, but okay, okay. Still, so I, I the setup, the setup for Arabian Nights is that there is a king who, uh, is he? He he's this very powerful ruler. He will sleep with a virgin every night, and then he will kill them in the morning. That is that is what he wants from his nation. Basically, that's that's what he that's what he desires. Uh, nice. one night this. A woman shows up. Her name is Scheherazade, and she tells him a story before before his bedtime, and he likes it so much that he doesn't kill her in the morning. And so the book is her essentially just coming up with story after story for a thousand and one nights until to buy herself more time, right? Because he will kill her if he doesn't like the stories, basically. So she comes up with these thousand and one Arabian tales, uh, and then eventually she is saved. The ruler, I believe, dies. They get like invaded or something like that. I kind of don't know how it ends, to be honest. But this is where you get uh, stories like uh, Sinbad the Sailor and uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of them are they're not necessarily repeat characters, but a lot of the stories are about similar concepts. So like the genie is a very big character. The genie is on the genie is in many of the stories. Like there are many stories about the lamp, right? Like there's Aladdin in the lamp. There's Alibaba and the 40 thieves that involves the lamp. Uh, Sinbad the sailor. Like there's a, there's a lot of just really good stories in here that are, it's, it's almost like a collection of short stories is really what it turns into. Yeah. That's what I've heard. And like, as somebody who plays a lot of magic, the gathering, uh, there's actually, a old magic set based off of is. the um, isn't it called arabian nights yeah it's, it is called arabian nights and 
there are a surprising number of like Arabian Nights stories that I know, like the I mean, Shahrazad is a character is a, is a magic card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shahrazad makes you play a separate game of magic to within your game of magic. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a card called uh, Drop of Honey that is a how a single drop of honey can change the entire ecosystem because like somebody was cleaning like I think it was like they were they left a drop of honey somewhere and a fly came to the honey and that attracted a cat which attracted a bear which attracted a human that killed the bear or something something like that but like it attracted like bigger and bigger animals until like they were overrun and stampeded or something like that and okay. it all spawned from a drop of honey and like that's the lesson it teaches is like is you can start small get bigger yeah no there's a lot of really good stories in there some of them are obviously very well known some of them are obviously not but um mm-hmm. that was just one that i thought just because it was sitting right next to me I'd, I'd give a quick little shout to that's a cool book to have that's definitely a cool book to have yeah i got it for my birthday last year i it was something oh, that nice. i was like i was like yeah i think i want this book just to have it that's that's very neat um Speaking of like cool books and top picks and top picks in fantasy, uh, one <laughs> thing that our listeners might not know about us is that we love fantasy football. And within Big a couple of weeks, guy. yeah, uh, within a couple weeks, the NFL season is going to start, and that means that fantasy football is around the corner and the very interesting thing this year is that there are no player like there's no consensus number one overall pick there is no like like there's a lot of like there's like you should probably pick these, these two are kind players, of the top five yeah but like i'm not gonna fault you like fault anybody for taking like anything outside of like a defense or a kicker like number one overall yeah like it's it's an interest it's a very interesting year so i gotta ask you for fantasy for fantasy football right now who is your number one overall pick uh my number one overall is justin jefferson Ooh, to be honest i i just like again like you said there's no real consensus number one so i think just getting someone who's very very solid um consistent team very very like again if you look at his numbers last year he's just he's kind of just incredible uh mm-hmm. that i think that has to be num- my number one i think there are some really really good sleeper picks that if you can get in rounds like two and three uh you you might be looking pretty good just because i don't think they'll go as highly this year as mm-hmm. they did last year like the people that kind of mm-hmm. dudded last year that i think are going to come back but i think number one has to be justin jefferson I I think that's the consensus. And so here's my theory, uh, not why it's bad, but why it could backfire. So the Minnesota Vikings this year, they drafted a wide receiver. Uh, I think it was Zay Flowers. They drafted a wide receiver this year um, with their first round, with their first overall pick. And okay. I think, I personally think this guy's going to be a stud. I, and I think So you that think Justin he, Jefferson's going to end up sharing time? I think so. I think because before, like in the before time and last season, dude was wide open all the time. Well, he's incredible, dude. Like he's just kind of the best receiver that's existed in the last five years. 
Oh yeah, dude is a total stud. And now that they have they got him some help in the receiving game, I kind of think he might be splitting a little bit of time. Interesting. So who are you going with on your first pick then if you think Justin Jefferson I might be splitting time? I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey. First in, overall. You have to think tight ends right now. Like all like it's such a position of value in my opinion where I think there's so many good running backs and good wide receivers that you can get that are kind of like like only a point or two below the top running backs in their position but if you look at the difference between um Travis Kelsey and every other tight end like the the best I mean yeah it is a large gap I'll give you that but he's a wide receiver that puts uh, like he puts up the same numbers or very similar numbers to the top wide receivers, but he's a tight end. And yeah, I definitely weapons, see where like, you're coming from. Like, look at the weapons that like Mark Andrew or, or that the Ravens got. Uh, they got Odell Beckham and they got another wide receiver that that actually might have been Zay Flowers that went to the to the Ravens. But they they drafted and signed two wide receivers. So that degrades his value. Um, George Kittle has always been a consistent, like incredibly inconsistent because of just how the 49ers offense operates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, who I think is a sleeper pick, uh, Debo Samuel, and then just a consistent run game of, of a who's who at running back. Um, that's also why I think Christian McCaffrey's injury history might catch up with him again this year people kind of forget about that i think that i think christian mccaffrey's a sleeper pick to be honest it's weird to say like that christian mccaffrey is a i think i think if you can grab christian mccaffrey like late in the second round early in the third round i I think that's when he'll go but like if you can grab him i think he's a sleeper pick you think he goes later than that no i think he goes earlier than that i think really i think a lot of people are scared to draft him i think so too here's another little interesting uh, who I think is incredibly underrated, Nick Chubb. Okay. I can get from behind the Browns. that. Like, if you look at what's around Nick Chubb right now, like, he has consistently been a top three at his position in fantasy and in real life. But, like, in fantasy football, he's consistently been very, very good. And if you look at the Browns' offense right now, we have no clue how good Deshaun Watson's going to be. Like, <laughs> absolutely no clue. True. I kind of hope that he's horrible because I think he's a horrible human being and shouldn't be allowed to play in the league already. Anyway. So I kind of, that politics aside. We'll take some politics uh, out of it. I also think yeah. that he's questionable on how good he'll be. Yeah, I think that because he just hasn't played very much that it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get going, i.e. you default to the run game. And... Nick Chubb is very, very good. Um, I think that Saquon Barkley is kind of in a similar vein of, like, we don't know how good the Giants' offense is going to be, and I'm a big Giants fan. Like, they drafted a wide receiver out of the third round who's getting a lot of, like, training camp hype that I'm, like, really trying to put out of my mind to make it's training camp. Like, everybody looks good in training camp. Like, everybody's a stud in training camp. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Everybody looks like Randy Moss in training camp when you're playing against um, truckers and people who are like, who are. They're there to make you look good. 
Yeah, not necessarily there to make you look good, but like they're fighting for a roster spot, and you're like, I've been, I've been here before. I've been doing this. So, anyways, that aside, like I think that Darren Waller is kind of a maybe, but Saquon Barkley is so good. It, like he's like he's just been the heart and soul of that that offense. He gets a lot of rushes. The Giants were fourth in rushing last year, so. I don't know, like, but this is like this is such a weird year that I also think that you could go with Derrick Henry as well because if you look if you, if you look at the yeah. perspective of what ha- what have the, what what do the Titans have on offense outside of Derrick Henry? I mean, yeah, that I mean that's fair. I don't think Derrick Henry's a bad pick, but um, I feel like there's some better stuff. I think there's a lot of sleepers on the Jaguars this year as well. I, I think that's oh, a sleeper team. I yeah I think they're whole team. I think the Jaguars could be the number one team in the AFC or get the number one seed going into the playoffs because if you look at their schedule, they don't play very many good teams. Like oh, they, they have an easy the, schedule. I haven't even looked at that well, kind of stuff yet. Their division is god awful. Their division like, sucks. Yeah, they're like Houston's bad. The Colts are rebuilding, and they have could a probably win their division with a fifty for, with a fifty fifty record. Oh yeah, but like they're gonna, they're probably gonna six zero their, uh, their division, and like the rest of their schedule is not that hard. They have like four hard games. Interesting. And then they, it's a lot of people are saying like even if they lose their four toughest games, they could still go thirteen and four and win their their division because the Chiefs have to play against Justin Herbert and. Or like so he could possibly knock off a game there like there's there's things but i think that like calvin ridley and trevor lawrence and travis etienne and all these people on like are real good and i think that they're i think they could have a a, a good year there's a lot of sleep like good like not winners like not absolute like you have to take this guy in the first round but Definitely, definitely um, a lot of good players on the Jaguars, for sure. Yeah, no, I think there's, I think there is, I mean, it obviously, like, before the season begins, it's, it can be hard to say and all that kind of stuff. Once we get into the season a little more, we'll be able to uh, maybe have some more, you know, once, like, like, who is good, who's not good, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to... Gonna... We're gonna immediately go into uh <laughs> we're we're gonna say after like the first week of the season of just like, oh man, I really wish I would have drafted Yeah. Uh uh-huh. Like I I really wish I would have drafted Jamar Chase. I had a the the opportunity to draft this person or I had a opportunity I could have taken this guy in round two and I didn't, yeah. That's yeah, gonna, just there's, things there's like always that. a lot mm-hmm. of that no matter what. Yeah, but like looking at mock mock drafts here right now like this mock draft has christian mccaffrey going number one overall this one like this next one has austin eckler going on going number one overall like and then this one has uh cooper cup going number one overall and this one has jamar chase going number number one overall and this one has um yeah Anyways, there's a lot of different ways that this could go. There are a ton of different ways that this could go. So Agree. Just keep that in mind, but I'm 
really excited to see how things pan out. I think that this could definitely be a year of either a lot of bullshit happens or you get rewarded for making smart picks. Like, I really don't know. And it's kind of exciting of like, I don't know if I'm going to get rewarded for playing well. Or trying or to do something if, like this or just. Yeah. Or if I'm going to just get like absolutely shit slapped because the one person who never plays fantasy football got lucky and. That seems to happen waivers. a decent amount. Yeah, it does. Occasionally. I had an old coworker who had literally never played fantasy football before. Um, win the finals of a league and forgot to change their roster the last week of the season. Like the, yeah, that the final out. two weeks. That checks yeah. out. They were up by so much that it didn't matter. And they had like three players that weren't playing. All right. Speaking of so. players not playing, you know what? People aren't playing these days. <laughs> Classic arcade games. All right. Uh, when it comes to classic, I'm talking like arcade cabinets, like you can't you, like in in an arcade, you know. Uh, what what like give me a, give me a, either a top three favorites, maybe an honorable mention. What are your what are your uh, like retro kind of kind of favorites? So I am a big fan of. I, I would say my top three are in no particular order. Galaga. NBA Jam, and I'm gonna and the, oh man, what's it's like the it's one of the old arcade football games. It's it's the it's very similar to Madden. I but, I wouldn't know. I don't know. But it's those three, and there used to be an old. Uh, there actually used to be a Galaga machine at a movie theater that I grew up next to that I held the record on for a while. Really? Um, okay. I, I did, because I was waiting for a friend of mine to show up to the movie. The mom dropped me off like an hour early um, and told me to wait. And then I saw a Galaga machine and ended up breaking the record. And I was 20 minutes late to my movie because I didn't realize how long my <laughs> run was going to last. But still kind of go to like have that to have that. No, record, that's pretty so. cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. And also, there's a bar, there are a chain of bars called Quarters uh, here where I live in Utah that has, that is a, an arcade bar that you'll go and have drinks and play arcade That's, games. Okay. That's I a like lot that. of fun. Dave and Busters. Yeah. yeah, kind of, kind of. I've actually never been to a Dave and Busters before. I also so haven't I been don't... to a Dave and Busters, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Cool, cool. Um, but what about you? What are your top three arcade games? Um, yeah, I think that Galaga definitely makes my top three. Uh, I think my number one is Mortal Kombat 2. Just because that's the one that I've played the most of. Dude, Um, I sold. I Street Fighter's definitely my top three. (laughs) I sold. I don't know what I'm doing. No, uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat 2 is definitely on my list. I've played a lot of it. When I went to, uh, when I was in college... They had a Mortal Kombat 2 machine outside of the uh, cafeteria, so I would play it. I had a, I had lunch opened at like noon, and I had class at one, so I just play it every day. I had the I think I don't think I had number one, but I think I was top three for like the solo campaign. Um, oh, that's nice. And then I don't know what it, what exactly my other one in the top three would be. I think maybe Tekken would be in there. 
um, which is a game I haven't played a lot of, but I really like it, actually. Like, I, I have not played a, an incredible amount of Tekken, but uh, I, I think that it's quite cool. So that, would, that might be in there. I think honorable mention goes to Asteroids, which is another oh, cool game, one. but it, that's not something I could, like, actually sit there and play, you know? Like, it's just there's not quite enough going on for me to be able to sit there and play Asteroids for very long. Yeah, Tekken fell out of my top three after my friend group uh, got into Tekken for a summer, and I have a friend who, or a few friends who are very, very competitive, and I had a friend, like, chew out us for not respecting plus frames, which is an extremely niche mechanic that matters um, not at the skill level we were at. Okay for playing online tournaments. It doesn't happen. I don't believe the way I understand the mechanic and I won't delve into it too much um, is like somebody basically gets priority frames when you, whoever has like faster internet or something like that on a thing. Like if you tie there, somebody has plus frames based off of port or something like that on a move. And it's literally like frames of data, like three frames of data. And I had a friend who said we didn't respect plus frames. And like when we were doing tournaments and stuff like that, just within our friend group and would like chew people out. He's like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm like tying or like losing plus frames because of this. It's like, like, and so we kind of like, I personally was kind of like done with Tekken after that. I'm like, I'm not going to get chewed out because I have like, I, because I got better got, internet than you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to get chewed out for this, or I'm not going like, it, to, it's just dumb. But we also had a hashtag in our, like, in our Discord, like, hashtag don't respect flesh frames, or hashtag doesn't respect plus frames, which was pretty great. But that got pushed out of my top plot, or, like, out of my Yeah, I haven't like, played I it can't. that much, but the little bit that I have, I actually, I actually tend to quite like it. Like, it's not my favorite fighting game. I think, like, Smash Bros. is my favorite fighting game, but obviously not an arcade game, so... Yeah. Doesn't make this list. Well, I gotta be honest, dude. We've been talking about a lot of stuff. We gotta we gotta rein it in a little bit. <laughs> and speaking of <laughs> reining it in, our last topic on oh, Dungeons & Dragons is how to rein in your party. Um, you get, for... like, a four on that one. Oh, man. I is it kind of bad that I really liked that it was bad? It was like it was no, so I good. No, I think that's bad. understandable. That's understandable. Okay. okay. So, um, one thing that I feel like that's a really common sentiment in Dungeons and Dragons is the fact that um, we all get a little wild. We all get a little loose. We all get a little like uh, push the envelope a little bit too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Off track. Yeah, we get a little off track, sidetracked, fall in love with a mini game, do something like that we probably shouldn't be doing. And from a DM's perspective, like how do you how do you bring it back? How do you like how do you keep the table flowing? How do you keep the party on track from uh in your campaign? What what do you do? It can be really tough. Like, this is a sentiment that I share with a lot of other DMs, right? Like, it can be very tough to keep your party on track, especially mm-hmm. on days where they uh, seem to be extra extra off track, right? 
It can be very tough. I think the number one when thing... When they you... choose violence. Yeah, well, not even necessarily that, but just, like, you know, if people are on their phones at the table and just, like, not paying attention, like, that kind of stuff, you know, it can it can lead to kind of a slow mm-hmm. campaign. I think the number one thing you can do as a DM, at least in my experience, is to be prepared. Like, if you prepare a session very well and you know, you know, kind of what you want the characters to find out in this session what you want them to like if you want them to run into this character this npc and get a quest or whatever right you you, if you know that that's kind of where you want this to go um it makes it a lot easier for you to kind of be like all right guys like hey let's let's calm down let's let's actually play a little bit and then actually give them something to do right if you say like all right Mm -hmm. everyone let's calm down let's let's actually play a little bit and then you don't like have something to to give them instead it's kind of like taking a you know a a, it's like taking the thumb out of the baby's mouth and not giving him a pacifier right like that baby's gonna cry you gotta give it you gotta give him something else to chew on a little bit you know um i love how you're comparing your your, the players that you play with to infants because i've done the same thing because i think that's a fair comparison to be honest (laughs) i i think it's so funny because there was a, a play a group that i had where I wasn't the oldest person there, um, but I was definitely the most mature. And so I always called them my children. I said, I was like, I was like, okay, children, like, it's time to focus up. It's time to like, daddy's talking. I I would not call any, of course, anybody (laughs) ever call me daddy. That's a different type of dungeon master. If you know what I mean? Hey, ho, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. I hope we can keep our PG 13 rating off of that. We 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 gotta rein it in a little bit here, okay? Hey ho, hey! <laughs> but any- anyways, <laughs> I totally just lost my train of thought of where I was uh, going. You were talking that. about the group that you had you that you called your children. Okay, but yeah, they got sidetracked a lot. They were the type of group that was always like they were. We had a murder hobo that was always like, if I don't get my way, I'm going to stab him. Um, and then the, like, I'm going to fuck around and find out with, like, trying to steal from people. Okay, and, another classic. <clears throat> yeah, and the way that I found that was very effective um, of, like, kind of mature, like, forcing them to mature a little bit or make smarter decisions was making sure they actually got punished for bad roles or making sure that like they got thrown in jail or their character almost died or their character did die or something like that of like enforcing those stakes a little bit of like saying like, okay, like you can't just like, I'm going to steal from everybody because it's fun. It's like, it's, or because I want to, it's like, if you, if you can get away with it, if your roles like obey, if the dice obey, you can do some it. dumb shit. Yeah, you can do some dumb shit. But also, like, if you roll a three, you're they're gonna notice you, and you guys are going to get into a street fight or something like that, or you're gonna start a war. Like, if you commit hate crimes, police are gonna get involved, or like the bad things are going to happen, and I am going to like force you to have a little bit of a moral compass the thing that i have actually gotten in trouble with a little bit as a dm that's i feel like enabled this is that i am very much a a factor of rule of cool 
Like, if it's cool, you can do it. And so people try and manipulate that of like, oh, if I do something really cool, it'll just happen. So I'm going to try some crazy shit and yeah, yeah, it yeah. won't work out or something along those lines. Sometimes, though, I will say it is really, really fun to sidetrack a little bit. I always bring up the uh, um, the real estate agent um, campaign that I had where there was a my players were really, really invested into having good real estate. And I was with a, it was with a bunch of like business majors that I was going okay. through in college and they thoroughly enjoy i asked them several times and they thoroughly enjoyed every time they came back from a raid from a dungeon or something like that spending and two plus hours on the what what good properties there were to buy in the city or should they invest in this small company or something like that okay or should they like so they're playing the stock some- market in D D. Oh, yeah, they were playing D&D Stock Market, and they loved it. And I was like, okay, so there were definitely times where I had, like, I had made my worlds well enough once I knew that this was going to be a thing. I had prepared enough to um, do, like, to have this, and it kind of let me slack off a little bit as a DM. Of, like, if I don't have a fully prepared campaign today, we can real estate. We, we, we can do can, some real estate instead. Yeah, Understandable. Can, yeah. I, I can present them with a business opportunity and we'll run with it for like two hours because they, they would chat amongst themselves and we're like, they was like, we only have this much money and we like, we need, we have expenses that we need to pay and we're invested in this one company and it's not doing well. We need to find out what's going on. And that was occasionally something that I would like actually bring it around. Yeah. 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 Okay. Of like, of there's this company that you guys have invested in. And it, like it's a it's a weapons company. They it was all about like high quality weapons for a reasonable price or something like that. And it was like you could actually sell this kind of stuff. And the company wasn't doing well at all. And after three hours of talking about like what they wanted to do, I'm like, I don't care what they do at this point. Re- like realistically, it's ground into the main part of the story or into yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. actual. Thing. Like it's like okay, we got to bring it back. Like we can't. I mean, we can because everybody's having fun, but we can't just like sit here and talk about this fake money that you guys have. And like, this fake to be world. honest, I don't like, want to run a campaign that's only about real estate. Yeah, it was getting not boring for me because I actually did. It was pretty fun for me, but there were definitely like times that they were chatting for a little bit where a DM was on his phone. I was like, okay, like they'll figure this out. Like they have the spreadsheet in front of well, us. So like, they can... kind of on kind of on that topic. Um, you know, like a lot of the time it's good, especially like if you, if you're running a campaign that has like multiple arcs, right. To have sort of like, you know, you know, the anime trope of like a beach episode Yep. where it's just, it, it's really has no impact on the story, but it's kind of the characters hanging out and having fun, right? Like that kind of thing is, can be fun to do in D and D, right? Like, especially at the end of an arc, you kind of come have almost like a little party everyone brings some snacks you guys just kind of hang out roll for sandcastles and stuff like that like what's the most roll sort of <laughs> you've, you've never you've never rolled for sandcastles i've never rolled for sandcastles that's hilarious i've rolled for oh sandcastles before um oh that's hilarious but so i like my question is kind of what's the most 
kind of fun off topic session that you've run? Um, really quick before we get off Sandcastle, yeah, did you have anybody who knew who knew Shape Earth or anything like that to help with their Sandcastle? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't or like, think was so. There magic involved? Uh, there was some magic involved, but um, I don't think most of them were using it for that because there was like a sand castle, a sand castle competition between the fighter and uh, a rogue. I think is what they were. They might have been like a hex blade, but I'm not sure. Um, and the fighter was using his armor. He like he filled his helmet with sand and shit like that to oh, make to make little to make sandcastles like it's yeah it was a really fun little little episode a little because um, they had just finished an arc and they, they were like they happened to be on the beach when they finished the arc so they were just like yeah we're gonna hang out for a day actually um i think one of the most fun like nothing really happened in like an arc hadn't finished like nothing major had happened but one of the most like not plot developing things that I had was a four hour campaign where it was like the party was trying to get into a a ball at a kingdom. Okay. And they had to get in and like socialize and things like that. And I put so much preparation into this because I wanted, like, every single guest had at least a little bit of information or backstory. Okay. And there were, I think I had 60 people. Okay, that's like, pretty, that's a lot. On, and part of it was because it's like, okay, if they don't meet, like, they're not going to meet all 60 people. But, that's fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, and I'm like, a lot of these are going to be, like, back pocket if I ever need to make up a character. Um, on the spot, I'm going to this document, and I'm going to like yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got like, you got them ready. Something. You've got them ready. Yeah, but I had done a ton of preparation for this, and half of it was them like figuring out what they were gonna wear, and like figuring and just like going about the town, doing things like that. And I like realized very quickly into the actual like session that we were doing, like we're not gonna be doing any sort of combat most likely unless somebody gets a drink thrown in their face yeah yeah, but yeah they were like yeah it was they were like okay i want to like we're gonna go and off on our kind of own separate adventures of it was almost like tales of bossing say yeah okay of of this character was like you know it was like you guys kind of have some downtime you got back from you have this new information that like this ball is coming up that you guys got invited to um nothing seems ominous about it it's kind of just, just like it's just a thing it's an event it yeah it's just an event that's going on that you guys got invited to because you guys are heroes and that and, well that kind of stuff makes a world feel so full too yeah like not everything it, has to be a, a mischievous plot from from some you know evil guy like it's just a ball mm-hmm. man you know yeah, no, and that w- that was also really funny when they figured out. They're like, "Who's gonna be there? Who's the murderer? What's this?" It was all, and I'm like, "It's literally just an event. Like, it is something that is happening that you guys got invited you guys, uh, to. <laughs> yeah, that you guys got invited to. That you guys could make connections to. Because, and part of it was like, I want to see where the campaign goes from here. But I had like a fighter that was like. 
wanted to like he was kind of embarrassed about his rage a little bit of like he didn't want or, like the barbarian was like really like I said, I don't want to be seen as this guy that's like just always angry, like all the time. And that's how the party views me. And so he went out and he got like he spent a lot of his own money on a really nice like suit and got okay. some like some like got really like really tailored out and bought the uh, two of the other players like corsages to to like go and like okay. really be a gentleman and like the two other ladies like they went out and, like they got their makeup done and stuff like that and i was like yeah like sure why not like this is like and i had a lot of fun dming it too because i got to those flex are just a little fun bit sessions like, yeah they're fun you can't do them too often because if you do Agreed. them too often they get real boring of like you're like yep yep there's this store you go to turns like, into playing this. the sims instead of playing D&D. yeah yeah exactly but it was so fun because like everybody like at the like halfway through once we kind of ended like the the everybody goes off on their own adventures um or like the the pairs now like the group gets back together um they like went to the party and got to meet a bunch of people and do a bunch of stuff and it's like okay i'm gonna have you like how many of you are really trained in like an upscale lifestyle like one of you is a barbarian from the mountains (laughs) Um, one of you lived in the woods their entire life one like one of them actually was a descendant of royalty um like i like and had been trained in it but like they were so i gave them like advantage on a bunch of like on some roles but they were it was such a fun adventure no that kind of stuff is really fun yeah, and I kind of got to see, like, where characters took their, like, where players kind of took their characters. Like, what do you think that your character would do on a free day to have some fun? Yeah, no, I I ran, I had a session uh, in my first campaign that was in a world where, I, I've talked about it a little, but the world, the seasons didn't change in the world. And so the city that these guys were in, uh, was Great it was kind of like their main base of operations, but it was in the uh, section of the world where it's it's constant spring, um, and they had this thing that they'd been doing that was tradition for like the last you know seven hundred plus years since the world since the seasons had stopped shifting. That was the midwinter festival, but it wasn't it, it wasn't winter. Um, so all the mage fun. all the mages around town all year they would spend time to make. Uh, essentially these little trinkets that were wands that kids could have that they could cast essentially uh, again i don't know if there's a a real spell that would be used for this but essentially create snow so kids would walk around with these wands that could create snow and that was like kind of how this midwinter festival uh still kind of had this feeling of winter in it and it was really interesting and there were a bunch i had a bunch of events planned and then it kind of got derailed pretty quickly the first event that the that the party ran into was rat races um <laughs> that's fun which is a fun little event you know they get to gamble yeah. a little bit you know it, it's it's cool um however one of the party was a druid who was very very convinced that he could shift into a rat and can and win one of these races uh, however it turned into the druid uh their plan became i'm going to cast call lightning 
on all the other rats to scare them so that I so that they don't run and I win the race. And it's like, okay, bro, that that would kill a rat. That would that would decimate a rat. You can, you are not going to scare a rat with call lightning. That is not quite how that's going to happen. Um, and so it got derailed a little bit quickly. They spent about two hours figuring out how to rig one of these rat races before uh, conceding and not rigging one of them and just gambling on them normally. But no, it was a cool little event. And I really like those kinds of things that are just like, like they, at that point they had just finished an arc of the, of the campaign as well. So it was, it was just kind of like this little downtime session, but it really does make the world feel lived in, you know? It's yeah, like this is a thing that they've been doing since before the season stopped shifting on this on this continent. And at this point, like they, the party had no idea why that had happened yet. Right. Like that and figured that out like this 700 plus year tradition that doesn't really make sense anymore. But they still do it just because it's tradition, you know, and it's fun. Yeah. That, like and that's like great nod to you. Nice job on world building. Man. Like that's just that's fun. The funny, well, the funny part was like they all they all like woke up and stuff and and uh, the bar they were staying in a tavern and downstairs everyone was like cheery and stuff and they're like yeah what's going on they're like it's the midwinter festival and the whole party is like what (laughs) what kind of festival (laughs) I don't I don't get it and then they walk outside and all the kids have snow wands and stuff like that and so yeah it it just it ends up being a, a cool little event. Yeah, that's super fun, and like I would definitely encourage like DMs to to do things like this, especially when you can tell like character. Like if you have a really, I'm gonna say, social group of like they aren't necessarily they aren't incredibly invested into combat, but they love the social scenarios. I think those can be really, really fun to try and like have character be themselves or be in a more comfortable setting like we're not always doing combat we're not always doing things like this but having it's a kind of a pg-13 thing but there was a um a little bit adult thing that was happening but there was one character who found um basically a pot shop um, (laughs) and was like like was really was like I don't want to, to like be a huge stoner, but there was like they found a pot shop in this massive city and was like, what do we do? And it's like, and the nickname for pot in this was Wizard Herb, and okay. there were a few there were a few wizards that were kind of like uh, Radagast the Brown, very into nature and would like were definitely off their rocker. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I like paid homage to an old wizard that was like who had his own like strain of wizard herb at this shop. All right. No, like that kind of stuff. It makes the world feel yeah. lived in. The other thing that I really like about those kinds of sessions is it sort of lets you flex like a little bit of your DM muscles, right? It's it's mm-hmm. muscles, it's DM muscles you don't use very often to make mm-hmm. social situations or come up with mini games. You know, that kind of stuff. Like when they were rat racing, I had each person, each person that bet on a rat, they were rolling for how well the rat ran. And I was rolling against them for the rest of the rats. You know, it's like, like it's a, you can make stuff into mini games and it's, it, again, it's, it's a part of DMing that, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit of like an unsung hero DMing kind of thing where you can make these really fun sessions without just like, Ooh, big monster comes out of the ground. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a different dynamic. Like I've played poker with people before of like they were trying to rob a casino and some of them were just like, Okay, well you guys are gonna go like get information. Can we play some of the games? And I was like, Oh shit, like and I happen to have like a deck of cards in my um uh in my backpack at the time and like one of like we played like blackjack for a little bit for like their gold and like one of them was playing slots where they like rolled dice to see how well they did in slots and that was that was fun we only did that for a little bit because that was like okay we actually the 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 party was very much like okay we we do have to stay on track a little bit yeah also gambling fun I had a, a session. We don't promote gambling on this podcast, but I had I had a session. I had a session. It was the it was like halfway through our campaign. We had a new player joining us who would who would oh, finish fun. the campaign with us. Um, uh, and his very first session, we played a game called Checkers, which I will not tell you what it is on stream because the party that well so this well it's one of those games but it was there were only four people out of the six players at the table Mm -hmm. and this game sort of became infamous between the four players that were there because it's a very raunchy game it was it was very it was it was fun it was very interesting but it's very raunchy um, and they would reference it all the time while the uh, while the two players that missed like came back, and mm-hmm. never we played for another year after that. Never ever did those two players find out what checkers was. They yes. never found out. It never got played again. Yeah, they is. never found out what it was. <laughs> it was hilarious that they just didn't know. That's so awesome. I will I, I'll tell you what it is after stream because it's actually like a pretty cool little game, but like. It was it. I cannot tell it. I cannot tell it on the on the podcast because I do not <laughs> want those two players to find out. Yes, I love that. I I love that it's not because of the rules of the game, or is it because of the rules of the game? What? No, it's. I mean, like the game itself. Again, it's kind of raunchy, players. but it's very. It's PG enough to put on to that. I could say it on 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 the podcast. Okay. Okay. It's but, it's just I don't want those two players to find out. I can't let them know. It's been it's been two years. It's been two and a half years since we played that session with Checkers. Yes. It was the only session that ever actually the game was played. It was referenced many other times. They met the Checker King again later in the campaign, and yes. uh, <laughs> he didn't want to play. So the two the two other people still didn't find out what it was. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's a great world build. That's like those. Those are the moments in Dungeons and Dragons that are really—they're just fantastic. Of like those inside jokes that, like, you develop with players. It, it builds relationships. It's—it's it's a fun like just nods here or there of like something hilarious happens. Makes and, it fun for the rest of the table too, right? Now you've got yeah. some players that can kind of like bring this up every once in a while. You've got some players who want to know that don't get to know. Like that kind of stuff happens. It's I I don't know. I think it makes for fun table dynamic as well. Yeah, I I do too. There was a um a DM that I had that was really really strict. He was he was very uh on he's like you have to be here in a campaign for people to level up. Um okay. And there was a particular I was like going on vacation and I was going to miss like three sessions and it just so happened the party had leveled up 
twice in those three sessions, which was really, really uncommon. Okay. And it was a running joke between me and the DM because I came back and I was the same level as everybody else who didn't miss. <laughs> and everybody was like, kind of butt hurt. And I was like, I can't tell you what I did. Like, I cannot tell you, like, what happened. And there was a lot of, classified. like, pay. Yeah, it was, like, classified information of, like, any time, like, something got mentioned and it got brought up a lot of, like, what happened um, with this character and why they were, uh, um, like, why they were the same level and what happened within those three weeks. And they're like, we were, go-, like, like in-game time, like, three weeks had gone by. Like, what the, what happened in those three weeks? <laughs> Where did you so go? Yeah, they're like, where'd you, like, what did you do? Do you know what you did? Um, kind of. Like, part of it was, like, I know for sure I, this was one of the most fun characters I ever got to play, because there was a lot of, like, veiled and mystery kind of stuff. Um, but I was, like, a basically fish man person that was like a, a scallywag for adventure and he would always lie about the adventures that he had and okay. the party was very much like at the time was very much like there is no way none of this is true he's a compulsive liar until one of the times where this character said he flew a ship into the side of a castle that was like four miles inland. <laughs> and okay. they see a ship sticking out the side of the castle that they go into. And they look at him, they're like, what? Like, what? What? Like, no. They're like, but he was lying. And so a lot, a lot of it is kind of like still veiled in mystery a little bit of like what he did during those times. Because okay. it's any number of the tales that he told, like could have been what happened within that three week period. Okay. And so he would tell time like every single like uh lie that he told or like thing that he said could have happened. So I like but that. from there, yeah, from there I kind of took it as like there was this one time I was away three weeks at sea fighting off sharks and sea monsters. I was on a raft and slayed a leviathan. And like things things like that yeah. that were like there were always like times of like I was gone for three weeks. It's like I was once stranded three weeks on the top of a mountain and like just things like that of like every single thing that happened within a time period was within like a three week time period of of like when I was gone, of like this happened I like that. while I was gone with the party or something like that, which was a lot of fun. And it formed a really like great kind of inside joke. And there were some people who got incredibly frustrated on the like, what actually happened? And to be totally like the DM said, we haven't actually had a session in a while, but the DM did say, he's like, canonically, there is something that happened that I know what happened within okay. that three weeks. Okay. If there it comes up, he knows. Like if it comes up, he knows. But again, this this particular person might listen to this podcast, so I can't say. Like I'm never, I like I'm, it, I I'm, like never it. Gonna, I'm never actually gonna say like yeah, yeah, yeah. what happened within those three weeks. Because it, it's too good to bring up of like it's like there's just one time. Like for like three weeks there was yeah. this girl. Or for like this this one time for like three weeks or something like that. I like, so like that. I swear I was gone for like like three like, it, it all comes back to, like, three weeks. I like that. Um, so. I think that's a pretty good place to end it on a little bit of mystery. 
Ooh, I like it. A little bit of mystery. But like... Maybe you guys will find out what happened next time on the Nerd Hub podcast. We could <laughs> tell you. Probably not, but we could if you guys tune we into could. the next episode. You, you have to watch the next episode. Find out. Find next out next time. time. Find out next time to see if you'll find out what happened. That's what I like to hear. Uh, I think that's where we'll leave you guys. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Nerd Hub podcast. Uh, at me on Twitter if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about. I'm at Pinzo Dunzo on Twitter. Uh, you guys can just tweet at me if there's something you want to hear us talk about. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got for you this week. So, yeah. You got any final words, Exelon? Um... Say hi to your moms for me. It's the same as last time. I like it. I like it. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you guys back here next week. Bye, guys.